0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. (laughs) Besides the Miami Heat right now, what's good, y'all? Welcome back to Believe Network. As always, I am your host, Anthony DiNardo, and this is Believe in Miami Heat. I believe it is my 11th episode on the network so shout out to y'all from tuning in, man. Although unfortunately, I am solo today, as my guy, Mario Chalmers, had you know he's a lot going on. My guy is a busy dude, but it's all good. We'll get him back over on this beautiful podcast when uh when time permits. But last episode was really, really cool, y'all. I hope y'all listened, or I hope y'all watch the video version on my YouTube channel because It was the very first IRL episode with me and Rio and special guest Michael Beasley, man. I just want to talk about that for a little bit because it was legitimately one of the coolest nights of my life, like meeting those dudes, like dudes that I grew up watching and, you know, idolizing as a Heat fan, as a kid. So to be able to hang out with them was really, really cool. Uh, And I just want to start off by saying legitimately two of the nicest guys I ever met, Mario Chalmers and, and Michael Beasley. So basically... Y'all know me and Rio been doing the thing over here, and uh, and he was in town, so he hit me up. He's like, "Yo, aunt, let's record a person in person. Uh, let's record a pod in person." I'm like, "Hey, yo, that's dope, bro." Uh, so we met up down in the spot at Miami, uh, and uh, we had met up there. And he walks in, and there's this guy walking behind him. He says, "Yo, what's up, aunt? By the way, I brought a friend with me." I look behind Rio, and who's standing behind him other than Heat Legend Michael Beasley? So I go ahead, and I look, uh, I look at him, and I say, yo, what's up? I was like, I know you, Mike, right? Uh, he started laughing. He had dapped me up, uh, and it was cool because that was during the first game versus Boston in Boston, which Miami lost, and Tatum dropped 49, uh, but we watched almost the whole second half together, hung out for a little bit, and then recorded a really, really cool episode uh, that, I, like I said, I hope y'all tuned into because it was awesome. Had a lot of fun, played some games, had a real sh- uh, shoot on the little Nerf hoop for one of our games. in. And- got some pretty, pretty cool answers, man. I don't want to give too much away, so make sure y'all check that out. I won't be doing a video version this time just because uh, I got a lot of stuff planned for the production side, uh, so we'll save that when we get Rio back over here, but but we got some fun stuff planned, man. It's going to be a really, really fun rest of the season over here on Believe in Miami Heat. So, before we get into the heat week, uh, there's just kind of one general NBA, thi- uh, NBA thing I want to talk about. And a lot of these things, you know, I will bring up with Rio again because I'm very curious to get his perspective, you know, as a, as a professional player on kind of how they view this stuff. Uh, but the first thing I wanted to talk about is that Zion dunk. If y'all, y'all remember in the game versus the Suns, basically typical case of when they call it, you know, bad sportsmanship or showing off. Uh, Pelicans were up big, a few seconds left. Uh, Zion comes down the court does the nastiest 360 windmill whatever you call it dung uh, to kind of put a little exclamation point on the game at home and then you got the Suns being fake tough guys and crying and saying oh my god he's showing us up my response to all the Suns and, and just people in general that don't like that is literally shut up <laughs> you know if you don't want to get dunked on play defense if you don't want to get blown out play better don't don't then get fake mad because the other teams put a little exclamation part on it. Y'all could have played defense the last possession. Who's to stop Zion from going score if he wants to score? I remember I think it was uh uh Lance Stevenson did that one time against the Raptors and DeMar DeRozan, who I do like uh was getting mad at them. And I'm like you know, I just don't like that. You know, play defense, you don't want to get scored on. And I just don't like the Suns in general. They got a bunch of fake tough guys over there, especially Chris Paul, who we all saw elbow Jose Alvarado in the very next game. Like, how are you going to complain about the other team? They just out there having fun at home. Zion's putting on a show for the the fans that, you know, spend a lot of their hard work and money. Why do you got to have such a problem with that? You know, it's it's all entertainment at the end of the day. I'm sorry you got your little feelings hurt, Chris Paul. I, I see why you're salty damn near 15 years plus in the league. And Ain't Even come close to a ring except the one time, but I don't like that team. Uh, the Suns, I love the Pelicans, that team is nice, but I just wanted to get my thoughts on that. Uh, you know, I'm curious what y'all think too. If y'all have any thoughts about what I say today, you know, feel free to tweet out to me. You could hashtag uh believe in Miami Heat or uh, definitely tag at Believe Network on Twitter and make sure you tag me too at Anthony D underscore Heat so I can read y'all, you know, y'all responses to this and maybe we could have some little dialogue online, but yeah. One of the things I always hate about the NBA is when players get upset about those buckets at the end. It's irrelevant. It's a regular season. There's another game. Who cares what the other team does? Play to the buzzer. That's how I play. I know I would have been playing defense. I don't care if I'm down 50. Anyways, let's talk about the Miami Heat because they have finally shown a little sign of life in, you know, in consecutive games. Because, of course, we had uh, the best win of the season. You know There was eight games, by the way, since our last episode. Uh, and they're five and three in those eight games. So, you know, better than under 500 because they are finally over 500 as a team uh, on the season. But the first game since last episode was the win in Boston. Uh, Greatest win of the season. Uh, Unfortunately, it ended up meaning close to nothing because they blew the next two games, which we'll get into. But the Boston game was cool because obviously you beat the best team in the East at the time on the road. Uh, and Jimmy obviously went off everybody for the Heat, played really, really well. Specifically, your four best players, Jimmy, Bam, Lowry, and Tyler, all played very well. And then uh, you still almost barely beat Boston in overtime when Tatum only had 14. But uh, I know a lot of people were concerned about that because they're like, it took a damn near perfect game from Miami and a subpar game from Boston to barely beat them. But listen, a win is a win in the NBA and in any professional sport. It is so hard to get wins. So that's, you know, that's not something I'm ever going to be mad at. But uh the question I kind of wanted to give my opinion about from this game, uh, because you know there's only so much we can talk about and uh I kind of want to give like a thought or question for every game and hear y'all response to. Like I said, uh feel free to, you know, at Anthony D Heat on Anthony D underscore Heat on Twitter and also at Believe Network. But hot take, and I've had this hot take for many years now, a few years, probably three years at least. I think Jalen Brown is the best player on the Boston Celtics. Yes, I know, call me crazy. Everyone wants to say Jason Tatum, but here's why I stand. They both are good scores. I understand Jason Tatum is one of the best scorers in the league and one of the most versatile and he's 6'10 with a strap. I get it, right? But Jalen Brown is also still a very good scorer and I think he is a much, much better defender. I'm not going to say, you know, uh, exponentially better defender because Tatum's showing that he's not, you know, no slouch on that side of the ball either. But the reason I feel like people, I feel like Tatum is, is overrated and I feel like the reason people think that is because he's flashy, you know? You'll see a game where Brown will have 37, see no highlights. See a game where Tatum has 37, you see 50 highlights, just because he does it more flashy with the crossovers and the fadeaway and the dunks and all that. But at the end of the day, Brown is a very phenomenal scorer, and he's also elite on the defensive side of the ball as well. And I know, like I just said, you could argue Tatum is on both sides of the ball as well, but I just feel like the gap between Brown and Tatum's defense is much bigger than the gap between Tatum and Brown's offense. And I don't think a lot of people would agree because they just see the light-skinned boy Tatum with the fade and and the cute son and all the highlights. And he just has a name as a star in this league. So for that reason, I feel like he's very overrated and Brown is very underrated. I could not have been proven more right in the NBA Finals when Tatum... Was damn near a no-show for a handful of games, and Brown pretty much balled out every single game. We even saw in the back-to-back games the Heat had in Boston. Yes, Brown had 49 in the first game. Tatum, uh, uh or Tatum had 49 in the first game, but Brown still had 26. So very good scoring output. And then in the second game, Tatum only had 14. Only 14. Jalen Brown had 37 points in that game, including the very clutch three at the end of the game to tie it and, and send it to overtime, uh, even though he banked it, I think, which it should not count. That man did not call bang. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's just to prove that Brown is just as capable at putting up points as Jason Tatum is although in a less flashy way, and I don't feel like he gets enough credit for that, and I feel like he's the more consistent and the better player on the Boston Celtics, and I've yet to find a person that agrees with me. Uh, I know Rio is not going to agree with me. I'm going to ask him for sure next time we speak, Uh, but just kind of a hot take that I got there, but like I kind of alluded to earlier after the Boston Celtics game, the Heat lost to the Memphis Grizzlies without John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr. That sucks Again, major, major theme of losing two teams when their star players are out. A lot of people are saying, oh, it's because the heat let up, you know, don't play with the same energy, same uh, intensity because you got scrubs on the other side. They'll say they'll learn their lesson and do better next time. No, (laughs) you know what I mean? They've done this a million times they're not going to learn their lesson. They do this every single time and it is very very frustrating. In that game specifically, Jimmy Butler looked like he did not give a damn. And I am a person who who very very seldom uh you know talks negative on the great superstar Jimmy Butler because he is one of the best players in the world. But when I watched that game versus Memphis and several other games this year when he picks and chooses kind of when he wants to try you can afford that luxury, Jimmy Butler, last year when your whole bench is shooting the lights out in your first season in the East. When you're four games under five hundred, you can't afford to do that. You, you, you can't. And I understand you can't be playoff Jimmy every single game because your body's not going to last going into the playoffs. But when you're that far under five hundred, you got to at least try, especially when you're a guy getting a max deal who's going to be getting paid $50 million when he's 36 years old. That's, that's just the way I look at it. And it was extra unfortunate because the next night, they lost to one of the worst teams in the league in the Detroit Pistons, a game in which Jimmy Butler sat out for rest. So the man Jimmy Butler taking rest days when a team was four games under 500 after barely trying the night before. It was very discouraging to see. Jimmy has some comments after that game, too, where he had some issues with their their late game execution. I think that was actually under the after the uh, the Spurs game here. I'm, I'm trying to look at my notes, but but either way, Jimmy had said something about the late game execution. Uh, that was after the Spurs game. So we'll get that into a little bit, but, uh, he's obviously talked a lot this year after the Boston game. Uh, for example, he said, uh, after the win in Boston, they, he was asked, what do you see from this team? And he said a championship. And then he follows that by not trying versus Memphis and taking a rest day versus Detroit. I don't like a lot of that talk saying championship just to no show. Same thing with the stupidly locked in in 2021 that, like I said, love Jimmy. It, one of my favorite players of all time. Superstar, right? Both sides of the ball don't you know don't don't talk unless you you go i was okay this is why i'm hesitating here right let me explain to y'all i'm saying don't talk unless you go back it up right because we saw in 2020 two of the best final performances ever we saw last year game six in boston 47 points from jimmy he backed it up it's just frustrating when he's talking in 2021 stupidly locked in gets outscored by Bryn forbes and then this year says he, he sees a championship after one win versus boston And then goes there with a no-show the two games later. Just a little frustrating from Jimmy. Not saying it means nothing. Not saying it's a big deal. I just feel like he needs to be called out on a little bit. At least that's how how, how I'm feeling about it. But uh, that game versus the Pistons, Tyler Hero had 34 points. Very weird stat I want to get into a little bit is he is one in, or at the time, the Heat were one in eight in games when Tyler scores over 20. That don't make no sense to me. I see a lot of people on Twitter trying to make sense of it saying, oh, it's because when he's taking a lot of shots, the rest of the offense is stagnant. I think that's just a very surface level opinion that I don't particularly agree with because you'll watch when Tyler is not out there on the court and, and, you know, if they're missing Jimmy, and the offense is terrible because he's the only guy on the team outside of Jimmy that can create his own shot. We've seen, obviously, a lot of that from Bam this year. He's got better, but really, he's the only guy outside of Jimmy that you can say, here's the ball, go get a bucket. And when he's not out there, and if they don't have Lowry out there to, to kind of generate some offense, the offense is terrible. So they need Tyler to go out there and take a bunch of shots. And he's been doing it relatively efficiently this year. The numbers from field goal and three are, are not bad by any stretch of the imagination. So it was very weird to me that they were so bad when he scores 20 plus. I kind of want to draw it up to coincidence, but one in eight you know, at the time, Really, not not all that much of a of a coincidence. Uh, I know a lot of people are saying that he needs screens to score, so it kind of takes Bam out of the offense. Again, I thought that was another stupid take because if Hero didn't need screens to score, that would mean Bam is just sitting in the corner doing nothing. Whereas if he is setting a screen for Tyler, well now he's a pick and pop threat, he's a pick and roll threat, he's a pick and lob threat. It's actually making Bam a part of the offense. So I just wanted to stay, uh, stick up for Tyler Hero a little bit because I think he's been getting a lot of unnecessary hate. Obviously, he balled out later in the week. We'll get into that. But at the time, this is something I was saying as well because I can't explain the stat. That's basically where I'm at. Why they were so bad when he scores 20 plus? I, I genuinely can't explain it. But it was very weird, and it was it was kind of nice to see that turnaround as the week uh, as the weeks went on. Uh, after that, they did get a nice win versus the Clippers. We saw Bam drop 31 points. Thank God Paul George played that game because there was some talk that PG and Kawhi would miss that game. And if y'all remember last year, both games versus the Clippers, Kawhi was out and PG was out and the lost both those games because they can't guard Amir Coffey apparently. Uh, I did not, I was not ready to to have another loss to a superstar list Clippers. Uh, so it was nice to see Bam come out Nice to see them get a win and and keep them from being in too far of a hole because I don't think this Heat deems a championship contender. I don't think anybody does, but... At least as a fan, and and listen, I understand the importance of tanking. Obviously, just because you're the worst team doesn't mean you are gonna get a Yama with the first pick, but it gives you a higher chance to get a high pick. And what I'm being told is a very deep draft. I'm not really a, a college basketball guy, uh, so I understand the importance of tanking. But we all know this Heat team is not gonna tank. So at least just because that you know that's not in their DNA, and they're not bad enough to tank either. I think we can all see that you got Jimmy Butler and Bam at about two of the best stars in the league. But So if you're not going to be bad enough to tank, at least be close enough to the playoffs to keep me entertained as a fan, to have me say, okay, maybe they have some sort of magical run on them. That's what we're kind of seeing now. They're on the four-game win streak because I'm recording this after their last game uh, in Mexico City versus Spurs, which put them one game over 500, uh, finally. Uh, So I'm entertained uh, because at least I know they have a chance that maybe this is something good. And if you can get on a run of... Nine, ten games in a row, uh, maybe it was just a bad start to the season. Now, I don't think so because they have a lot of glaring weaknesses we've talked about all year with the poor shooting from the bench, the the lack of a a big power forward, the lack of rebounding, the lack of a backup big, or I guess any big in general outside of Bam and Abau. So, for those reasons, I don't think they are a great team, but you know, maybe the shooting picks up. Maybe Struess isn't terrible all of a sudden. Maybe Gabe Vincent's shooting isn't terrible all of a sudden. And maybe they uh, are good enough where they decide they want to make a move at the trade deadline, somewhere that could kind of put them in championship contention. So nice to did get a win. Uh, again, felt good. But the next game, they lost to the Spurs, the worst team in the West at the time. Uh, the biggest controversy from that game is it was close game late, uh, and Jimmy Butler didn't get the ball down the stretch. That's the game where he was kind of talking about uh, the late game offensive execution is, is bad uh, or the energy is bad. Something like that, I didn't like hearing that because the way I look at it is as a star player, if you want the ball, you're going to get the ball. You're going to demand the ball and say, I'm the guy, Tyler Hero, go sit your ass in the corner. It's Jimmy Butler time. You know what I mean? And for him to not get the ball and kind of put it on the other guys, I didn't I didn't like that. And again, Jimmy Butler's a guy 90% of the time takes blame for himself. But I was frustrated watching that game and watching him not get the ball. And a lot of people will put that on Jimmy or Spo or whoever. I think as the star player, it's your responsibility to get the ball no matter what. So if you're not the guy taking the shots down the stretch, I I do think that's on you. Uh, But after that, they went ahead and they won versus Indiana, only scoring 87 points. So very, very old school heat pacers kind of game. Jimmy took over. Jimmy did take over late in that game, which is nice to see. Uh, and I was very glad they won because I did not want to fall in a bigger hole like I was saying after the loss to the Spurs, Uh, and the Heat were only 14 and 49 all time in Indiana, very very weird stat, I don't know what it is about Indiana either why the Heat struggle there, but I was not hopeful going into that game, Uh, but it was nice to see them get a win scoring only 87, and again a win is a win, I'm part of that camp, I don't care how cliche the saying is, Uh, but it was nice to see because then moving forward, you had the game versus the. For some reason, I do not have the game <laughs> the game listed in my notes. But what I do have is as I try to uh, look up which game that was, it was the OKC game. Tyler Hero had 35 points and a game winning mid-range shot. So obviously the thing I liked about that game was Tyler uh because I think Jimmy missed that game also because it was the first night of a back to back. Uh, And that is their plan moving forward, at least for the next few weeks, I read, uh, to to rest Jimmy and and Lowry, you know, vice versa on back-to-backs on on one of the nights. Uh, So it was nice to see Tyler ball out, get 20-plus points, even 30-plus points in this case, and get a win. It was nice to see. Uh, And my favorite thing from Tyler is the game-winning shot, which he hit, which was a mid-range jumper. Uh, And the reason I like that is because we've seen Tyler have the ball a lot this year with the game on the line, and he typically has settled for god-awful three-pointers at the buzzer, but this time he dribbled down a little bit, didn't wait for the shot clock to get to two before making a move, and he took a couple dribbles in the bank, pulled up right in his wheelhouse, which is that mid-range jumper. And splashed it, no problem. A little bit of a hand in his face, but again, he's a, he's a tough shot maker. But I felt like he did a better job getting to his spot instead of selling settling for the god awful fadeaway three pointer, which y'all know I hate so much. So I did feel like that showed some development for Tyler, learning from his mistakes from a little bit. And he is such a good mid range shooter that if he can get to that spot more often late in games, uh, I think they'll be able to win a lot more of those. Particularly if you know if Jimmy Butler is has happened to be resting those days. Game after that, they got another win to put them at 500. finally, which is when uh, Tyler Hero, 41 points. I believe he had 10 threes that game after having nine threes the game before. So 19 threes in 48 hours is absolutely phenomenal. Had a ton of fun watching that game, seeing him take over. And I'll, actually, I'll admit, I was not hopeful for Tyler going into that game. Because we've seen him a lot of times come with a stinker. I'm talking a six-point game after dropping 30-plus. Uh, but not this time. Just just a day after scoring 35, he goes out there and gets 41. And definitely, they needed all of it, too. They only beat, uh, the, they only beat the Rockets by three. And that team, uh, Jimmy Butler, was playing that night, too. Even though I believe Bam was out. But another note on that, a lot of people were complaining, saying you need the 41 from Tyler to barely beat the lowly Rockets by three. Uh that's just being negative, honestly, in my opinion, because it's not like the Heat had a perfect game either. Yes, Tyler Hero scored 41, but you're missing Bam at Adebayo, who's obviously one of your most important players. You did not shoot the ball crazy. You obviously shot it very well, but not, not any historic numbers. You got out-rebounded by Houston, so it's not like you killed them there either. So you could argue to win a game when you get out-rebounded is impressive. Uh, so again, I'm just of the camp, a win is a win. But at the same time, I'm not looking at it like it means anything. I certainly don't think this this team is is great. Uh, and then their, their four straight win, which, which is that next game versus uh, the Spurs in Mexico City. I certainly don't think this four-game win streak in one game over 500 uh, means anything or changes my outlook on this team at all. I guess it just supposedly means that they have a chance. And if they can turn this four-game win streak into a 10-game win streak, and they look good while doing it. I don't care if they beat all bad teams because they've been losing to them. But if they look good doing it, we'll talk. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. Maybe you can convince me into getting, you know, a Harrison Barnes, a name I've mentioned a few times, or a, a Kyle Kuzma, a guy I like a lot. Also, Miles Turner. Maybe, maybe you can convince me uh, about that. Uh, speaking of those guys, there is a few names that we've heard that might potentially be out there in the trade market, which is heating up a little bit for Miami because maybe, maybe a, a long winning streak is on the horizon, like I was saying. Uh, so I kind of want to do a little game with y'all here. Uh, and I'm going to name four players that have potential, or three players like I got here, that have potentially been rumored to join the Heat. Three players that I think will have equal value to this organization in terms of their talent, young, uh, or age, uh, asset, value, whatever. So I want to hear y'all opinion on this. If for the same exact package, I don't care what the package is. Let's just pretend like, let's even just pretend like it's Duncan Robinson and a first. I know a lot of people don't want to trade a first, but let's just say Duncan Robinson then, because we can all agree we want his bum ass off this team. If you could have John Collins, Bohan Bogdanovich, or Sadiq Bay, which one would you pick? Very tough question, right? At least I think for me, again, whether you do the deal or not, And I understand you can't do Duncan straight up. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just mostly saying, who would you prefer on this team uh, swapped with Duncan Robinson, for example? Obviously, I I don't want to trade Tyler for any of these guys. But again, John Collins, Bohan Bagdanovich, or Sadiq Bey. Uh, I'm going with John Collins just because I think he's the best player. I think he is not necessarily the best fit next to Bam because you would kind of say it's Begdanovich because you want someone who could shoot next to Bam. But I think John Collins is the best mix of everything in terms of a guy that can shoot, can rebound, uh, and obviously can defend. Uh, he is a guy, like I was saying, that can do a little bit of all that stuff, very athletic. God, the pick and rolls with him is going to be extremely exciting too. Seeing Lowry throw the ball 30 feet down the court, you know Collins is going to be there to get it. Collins not having a great year though, uh, especially shooting the ball. His numbers are very down, but we've heard he's been wanting out of Atlanta for a while. So I'm hoping it's one of those cases when the guy just gets a change of scenery, his numbers can kind of be right back up to where we expect for his career. And we all know he's a West Palm Beach kid, went to Cardinal Gibbons High School. We hear Eric Reid say it every time he touches the ball. We get it, Eric. Uh, but yeah, so maybe coming back down to South Florida and getting out of Atlanta can really help him and he can get back to the 17 and 10 player uh, with 37% from three that he was. I'm assuming his numbers were, were somewhere around there. So that'd be my pick. Obviously, if you go Bohan Bogdanovich, I get it. Easily the best shooter here is having another great year shooting the ball. Detroit, I could easily see getting rid of him uh, because he's an older guy. They obviously want to rebuild. He's he's a good player, having a good year, probably averaging close to 20 if I had to guess. Uh, he just doesn't fit their timeline. Uh, I just kind of like Collins because he's a little bigger, a little better rebounder. And then obviously Sadiq Bey, another name we heard a lot about. For some reason, Detroit wants to get rid of him or he wants out. He's a young guy, so I don't know why they'd want to do it. Uh, but if you do pick him, I guess you're probably more of the, the camp that thinks the Heat should rebuild and you want another young guy in there that could, again, play uh, play really decent defense and also shoot the ball at a, at a pretty good rate also. Uh, so, so Sadiq Bey is obviously good at that stuff, but I'm not quite in the rebuilding camp. Uh, and I also kind of like uh, some guys that could rebound and have a little bit of athleticism. That's why I went, John Collins. So feel free again to tweet me at D underscore Heat and at the Believe Network and let me know as a Heat fan would you rather have John Collins, Bohan Begdanovich, or Sadiq Bay? So, before we end this podcast over here, I want to go ahead and get into a little bit of a preview for the uh the, the we'll, we'll say the rest of the week, but really the the next couple games uh before Christmas, I have the sk I literally had the schedule up right here, and they play next uh, at home versus Chicago and at home versus Indiana, and that takes us before Christmas. Two teams that are currently under five hundred. Obviously, you'd think Chicago's a little bit of a better roster, even though they're having a really down year. Rumors coming out today that they're probably looking to sell. uh, I don't know what that means. (laughs) I don't know if that means they're looking to sell Levine, uh, which I guess I would trade Tyler for. uh, Or looking to sell DeMar, who I absolutely love. I don't care if the man can't shoot threes. Put him on this roster. Uh, Maybe you could swing Tyler for that, too. I don't know. I'm not here to talk trades with, with those two teams, but... Uh, you'd like to see the Heat come out and beat a Chicago team and an Indiana team that are, are struggling, even though Indiana's obviously got some nice pieces as well. Uh, we've seen them both beat us this year. Yeah, we have seen that. We Chicago beat us at home opening night, I believe. And uh, Indiana beat us in Indiana two games ago before we just beat them. Uh, but yeah, you know what? I'll be positive. Let's say the Heat get two doves, baby. Uh, and if they lose both of them and get blown out and... The drops 45. You can come back and get mad at me because I I don't care. Uh, It was nice. Last time they played the Pacers, Tyrese Halliburton had like one point off a technical free throw. Uh, I don't know what that was about. He's a really good player. Uh, I saw the clip today, though. Wally Zerbiak, I guess, is some Knicks announcer now. Uh, And he was basically saying that that Halliburton is a fake all-star and that Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson are better than him. That's a god-awful stupid take. I mean, those Knicks guys, they're playing well. They're on a seven-game win streak. But I mean, Halliburton averaging 22 and 10 and completely changing the culture over in Indiana is is way more impressive than uh, what those Knicks bums are doing. But maybe I'm biased. I'm definitely biased. Hate the Knicks. Uh, But yeah, uh, those are the two games before Christmas. The Heat, of course, once again, getting disrespected by not getting a Christmas Day game. Seems like the only way they get a Christmas Day game is if they make the finals the year before or, or win the championship. Uh, I guess making the conference finals isn't good enough. I'm assuming, you know, what? I'm assuming the Knicks play on Christmas Day. I don't, I don't even know. But they give that Knicks team so much love in, in TV time and national attention. For what reason? I don't know. And yeah, I got the schedule up right now that, of course, the, the terrible-ass Knicks and the terrible-ass Lakers all play on, uh, on uh, Christmas Day. Uh, yeah, I don't know why. the he continue to get disrespected? Even the year they went to the finals, you'd think they'd give us a finals rematch the next year. But no, we, we played the Pelicans, a uh, young and up, uh, upcoming team. The game was at like noon. Uh, I don't know why the Heat get disrespected on Christmas Day. Uh, I'd say I'm mad, but that would be fake outrage. I really don't care. Give me the disrespect. Just win games at the end of the day, <laughs> honestly. But that is all I have for this episode we've been talking here for almost 30 minutes straight it's been a really good time and i'm excited for once man because the heat are playing well and if they can build on this this uh they got some potential man they, they really got some potential i like what i've been seeing from band with the aggressiveness and and it's been fun. uh and like i said they just been man keeping me entertained uh so if you listen into this episode on spotify or apple podcast or wherever else we on a few other platforms as well go ahead and leave us five stars give us a review if you liked it if you did not like the podcast, tweet me too. Once again, at Anthony D underscore he, tweet me. Tell me what you didn't like. Uh, maybe we can fix that. You know, maybe uh, I'm always curious to hear uh, uh, constructive criticism or just straight up disrespectful criticism because I think it's all funny too, to be honest with you. But we will see y'all next time. I don't know when that will be. Hopefully, probably, definitely sometime next week, uh, depending whether we can get Rio back on or not, depending if, uh, if his schedule permits. Uh but yeah, we'll be back. I'll see y'all then. Let's go heat. I'm out. Step